Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined as I am twice a week on this very podcast. My good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. I am uh, glad to be back talking ball as we do in preparation of every uh, every college football week. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is so much to cover. So, so, so much to cover, Matt Green. Um, we have a lot to get through. We have a lot to get through because this is an interesting week. There are some big ones and then there... I don't think this week is as big as last week in terms of top matchups, but I think the games that are the biggest will be a lot closer than this past week. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. We, we have the... So I'm introducing a new thing. So I'm eventually going to get a soundboard, I've decided, for for this very podcast, sir. And uh, I think there's one that I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to our alumni, uh, you know, North Georgia. And uh, there's Nigel the Nighthawk. Do you remember that controversy about the name? Whether I it was do, me, Nigel. Yeah, they wanted a name. Yeah, because I remember one of the people in like, the newspaper wrote like a... A uh, a joke a, a joke article about what the name should be that was like not exactly appropriate. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember what it was. I remember who it was, but I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. They we should probably it, save it off air. Do you want me to save it? Yeah, let's save it off air. Is it bad? I don't remember how bad I mean, it was. How it's? I'm just gonna say it. Okay. It was Mike Hawk. That was <laughs> that was the uh, the name he proposed instead of Nigel the Nighthawk, which is right. much more family friendly. <laughs> but yeah, I okay that that rings a bell. Man, that was what a what a lifetime ago, Matt Green. I remember yeah, this. I think they like threatened to like cut funding from like the <laughs> newspaper club or something like that. After it was like a big deal. I remember that. I don't recall Merrill being very happy about it. No. Your boy Johnson was not happy at all. He was pissed. Really? Yeah, I remember him commenting on that. Because I was like, you know, probably 23 mm-hmm. or so. I was like, that's, that's funny. You know, like, I was I was immature. Like, yeah, it's funny. Whatever, gotta laugh. But uh, professors were not were not into it. That's wild. Um, yeah, okay. That all. It's all coming back to me now. I remember that. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to get Nigel the Nighthawk to do a little soundboard for us, little little nuggets, because... Some, some crazy Ira in the douche type stuff. Mm. I, <laughs> hey, you know, that same sort of deal, but uh, the news delivery service, because you know what birds do? They, they carry the news. Nigel the Nighthawk sounding off when there's there's news to discuss before before college football games to pick sir um did you see what happened what over the thinking? weekend you thinking like uh like atlanta hawks or, or the falcons they they do that that kind of that falcon cry you yes know? that's or what i'm talking got, about yeah south carolina that's like uh you could go that more that direction with it i mean that's true uh that's true uh, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Just different sound soundboard stuff for different segments. But uh, we're going to start with the Nigel, the Nighthawk. Shout out to Nigel. News delivery right here. 
Max McCaffrey, another McCaffrey. There, there are just as many McCaffreys as there are Colquitts. I think Matt Green. They just keep popping up. There's so many of them, and Max hit a fan with a broken clipboard. A Montana fan because he's coached at Northern Colorado in the Big Sky and FCS. And uh, yeah, did did you see this? Yeah, that was an absurd story, <laughs> and it was even weird how the fan wanted to keep the clipboard as a, like a souvenir. Mm-hmm. It's like, is, is Max McCaffrey that big of a deal that you want to keep that clipboard he hit you with? Like, I guess it's a crazy story, and you have proof of it. I don't know. What, it friend, what will your friends say? Either you show me the clipboard or it didn't happen. <laughs> Just a weird college football story right there. Um in more somber notes, uh, Derek Stingley out indefinitely for LSU. He really has had kind of a forgettable season. LSU defensively has kind of been in that zone, but uh, LSU needing like I don't know if you you've checked LSU's schedule the rest of the way, but it is it's brutal and not having Stingley on that defense when you get into the meat and meat and potatoes of the schedule is it's not great. Yeah, without a doubt. It, it's felt like he's, he's you know, kind of had a foot out the door. It kind of got that Jamar Chase kind of vibe from him. But obviously this is a foot injury, so it's a procedure, whatever exactly happened. But, yeah, it just feels like this is a guy who's, you know, and rightly so. Like, no no criticism to him. Like, he seems like he's looking out for, for his well-being and the next level. Like, he, he feels like he's done with LSU, right? It does certainly feel like we have seen Derek Stingley play for the LSU Tigers for the last time. Um, that seems to be where the wind is blowing. Um, the Dan Patrick show. Did you see what they reported on today? Uh, yeah, only because only because you so, you told me. <laughs> <laughs> what is your daily routine? What do you do? You listen to other podcasts or radio shows? What do you? What is your yeah, daily? Yeah, I listen to mm-hmm. other uh, college football shows and stuff like that while uh, in the background, like while I'm working and stuff like that. But uh, Dan Patrick show that's a show that like I never think to watch on my own. Like if I see someone watching it, there's a guy like in the pro shop at the golf course I worked at. He would always watch it. It's like it's a quality show. I just never like think to to put it on myself. It's just nice. It's... You know, it, there's those kind of shows like Friends. Mm-hmm. It's like it's an okay show, but I'm never gonna like choose to watch Friends. If it's on. It's like oh, this could be this could be fine, but I'm not gonna like go out of my way to choose to watch Friends if that makes sense. Right. It's just good to have on in the background. Like it's it's a really good background show where you're doing other stuff. It's just nice. It's nice to be in the room with them. They're just. They're fine. Like the, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not great. It's just fine. Um, but Dan Patrick still a legend, and he uh, he reported today that the college football playoff committee will vote for a twelve team playoff this fall. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I. I like it only because of the the automatic qualifiers. I think I think that kind of adds something to the sport of everyone, you know, feeling like they actually have a chance to win a championship. Like if if you would have asked me my number one choice, I would have said eight teams, no qualifiers. But it seems like that ultimately the the smaller conferences aren't down with that, and they want those automatic qualifiers. So. That, that uh the future is changing of college football that's for sure 
for sure for sure and i I think this was inevitable um i think 16 would have been too much 12 is a lot though i 12 is is several more games for these guys and i think nil helps for a lot of these kids like uh for bryce uh young to put more more on the line uh for his team like the fact that he's making over a million dollars will help uh i'm sure but I don't know. That's it's more time for these dudes. And I wonder if this means the season gets shortened. Like I would get rid of the, the college or the conference championship games. I think if you're going to do a 12 team playoff, I think you scrap those. Um, I don't think they're necessary at this point, um, especially with all the movement and everything else. I think if you're going to take the 12 best teams, I don't think we need a conference title game. Like but it, if you're taking those 12 teams, the, the automatic qualifier is one of those stipulations, yeah. right? So you do have to have that. I know what you mean. Like that's, that's where I'm torn is because, you know, there's already all this talk about, you know, Alabama and Georgia and everybody else in this college football season. So there's a chance we get to the SEC championship and have this juggernaut matchup of number one versus number two. And when that happened, Tim Tebow's senior year, Florida lost and their season was over, right? Like this time, you know, the loser of this game could just still go to the college football playoff and it just this game of two juggernauts might mean like literally nothing, you know? So right. That even feels, you know, like it's kind of wrong. And and that's at a four-team playoff right now. So with 12 teams, yeah, it's like it'll determine seeding. And so that's that's a huge deal, when you, especially if you talk, if it becomes like a home, hosting a, a home playoff game at your own stadium. So, I mean, it's not like it won't be a big deal, like to be the three seed compared to being the seven seed or something like that. But it we already had the best college football the regular season in all of sports and college football. And that includes those conference championships. 12 teams definitely has a risk. So has a risk of hurting that just kind of how important every regular season game is. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm interested to see what, what happens here and if schedules change and stuff like that, or they do a break. Like that's something I would consider too, right? Like give them several weeks off between it. Like that is something I think is possible, right? To just extend it because you have this month gap, right? Like the NFL doesn't do the Super Bowl until what, February 6th, something like that. Um, you have this time uh, to to drag it out. It doesn't have to be New Year's Eve and stuff like that. You can move this. I think if you do a 12 team playoff, I think you give these teams several weeks to rest and get ready for well you for know the, what the number one thing they need to do hmm. what when whatever they decide to do is play all the damn games on saturday yeah like i just it drives me crazy we get to the december and we're playing games on mondays and thursdays and just like weird stuff like just continue to play college football on saturday like i get january 1st like when that rolls around like a lot of people have january 1st off it's kind of a holiday but it's like I don't know. It just it's crazy to me. Like NFL continues to play on Sunday all throughout the playoffs. So it's weird how they change it up so much in college. But but yeah, I um you can't give them too big of a break cuz I think like I've always heard they that whoever the the people the decision makers don't want football to become a two semester sport. They want it to be just a fall semester sport. And so it you know it that championship rolls in there at the start of January, but 
you know, maybe schools have gone back at that point, but not ne- not necessarily. It's not really into the spring semester. So that's why I, I don't think you can give them too much time off if there's going to be three rounds of playoffs. Yeah, I think it's close. That's true. But I don't know. I just that's a lot of games, man. That's just a lot of games for these kids. And Alabama and your squad, that's a lot of extra games for Georgia and Alabama players. And if you're an NFL team, you're like, mm. like you're already seeing the Georgia running backs outside of Chubb. Just it's uh, it's not going well long term for those dudes. And a lot of tread in the tires when they're getting to the pros. Bama and Georgia running backs, uh, not faring well in the long term whoa i don't i that's todd Gurley just is gone like a degenerative knee thing mm-hmm. that's not like a trend with georgia running well back. no sonny michelle done i mean sonny uh, michelle's i mean he's not done he's, he's playing done. he's just not that good he's well, just not a good nfl running back like deandre swift i mean mm, we'll see not very good thus far yeah, I mean, he's been fine. He was good as a rookie. Like, he's been solid. on Johnson already done. Auburn. I don't know. These guys in these big schools, when they're playing extra games and they're, I don't know, just playing the SEC schedule year over year for three years and then extra games on top of that. I mean, it's just, it's a lot on your body. Also, none of those guys were playing a bunch of pl- extra games. Like, right, but that's what I'm saying. You're going to see more of before it. Before the playoff, like... Chubb and Michelle were splitting carries. Like, even DeAndre Swift was splitting carries. So, like, I don't think you can just make a blanket statement about guys, like, having too much tread on the tires. I think that's actually something that Georgia preaches to running back recruits of not wearing them out in college and splitting the load amongst two or three guys. I think that's kind of one of their sales pitches. Well, I mean, they're doing it now. They had four dudes. I think five guys got carries last week, actually, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the main four that basically play in every game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Dejon Edwards even gets in there as, as the fifth one, too. So, Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on, so I thought this was really interesting. Um, and I want to get your perspective on this, Max. I think you probably have a better understanding about this than I do. Um, so this is coming from Football Scoop. Um, a great website that you should go check out and bookmark if you have not already. Great uh, college football stuff. Um The NCAA is a mere 24 hours from providing a short-term remedy for at least one year to programs who lose student-athletes through the organization's transfer portal. With the NCAA, uh, their Division I council on Tuesday approving a year-year waiver of signing and initial counter limits, schools now may replace as many as seven scholarship signees to fill voids left by student athletes departing programs in the first semester. Okay. Explain this to me like I'm five. Well, I think you're just, you're, you're counting, you're counting backwards, right? Or you're just supplementing the players that are leaving. It it makes perfect sense, right? I mean, normally the, the, the limit to sign players every year is 25, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you get someone in the transfer portal, that counts towards next year's scholarship level. Okay. So essentially, say you get two guys in the transfer portal, you can only sign 23 that year. Mm-hmm. So like that's how it currently is. So this is essentially saying, and I don't, I don't think there's anything in place for losing guys to the transfer portal. So this is essentially saying if you lose five to the transfer portal, you can now sign five more guys out of high school. That's what I thought it was reading. Okay. So this is like, cause I talked to Eric Godfrey, the coach of Parview high school 
the the alma mater and this was something that he's noticed and he's nervous about and we talked about it and i think a lot of other high school coaches are nervous about it because a lot of high school kids are getting left out uh for this next class because of the super senior role this year the extra year for covid um and just the portal eating up a lot of scholarships and a lot of teams um like texas state taking entirely transfer portal classes so this high school kids are getting hurt because there's just not enough scholarships as there once were and this is a way to get those kids signed by the schools that are getting raided by uh, other schools for their transfer kits. So this sounds like this is going to really help the group of five schools who get their better players uh, gobbled up by the the Alabamas and the Georgias, right? Yeah, but like all of these rules go, right? Like you can't just you can't tiger proof the course, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might help the the groups of fives that are they're losing, but I mean, who's losing more players? I guess more than the group of five, I would say it's helping the smaller power five schools because I think they're probably having more transfers out than the group of five. But I don't know; it's it's tough to say. But but ultimately, what I was going to get at is like at the Alabamas and Ohio States and Georgias are going to figure out the best way for this to work for themselves, mm-hmm. right? If George, like I'm sure there's a there's there's guys that transfer that because they want more playing time, you know, and I'm sure there's guys that are encouraged to transfer. You know, it's, you know, you've been working really hard, <laughs> but I just don't see you playing here in the future. And if you know you can sign 28, 29, 30 guys in this class, then maybe you kind of, you know, push, push some uh, juniors and seniors along that you don't really see a future for. So, there's no way that the the best the 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 rich aren't gonna find a way to, to to get richer. You know, it's like that's why they're the best programs around. I'm sure they'll figure out a way. Like Alabama and Georgia were already signing just ridiculous classes, like having to keep it at 25. Like if they can get 27, 28, 29 guys in there, you know, they're just gonna just keep on loading up. Great, I love it. Um. Well, we'll see what happens, but ultimately, I think this is a good thing strictly for the kids, and I, I'm very pro uh, pro seeing the student-athletes uh, get more opportunities in a fair system, so I like this. I think this is something that uh, will be good for them. Uh, yeah, and, Matt, I, and, I, yeah. and I think it kind of what we always talked about, like, this is going to correct itself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the Wild West right now, but it's going to correct is, it, itself because maybe you just have this kind of generation of high schoolers come through that are like, you know, a scholarship is not guaranteed to me. Like maybe they'll value it more and they won't just, you know, up and transfer because they see a guy that they went to school with that was D one and left. And now he can't get another D one offer. So I think it's crazy right now, but I think like, you're still going to see, you know, the high profile quarterback, go to the big time teams if if they have a, a an opening you know you're still going to see that kind of stuff happen the joe burrows and things like that but i think it uh it's i think it's all going to settle down here in the next few years i agree i agree all right matt green well we're going to pause real quick for a message from today's sponsors but then we got some games to pick sir All right, we are back on the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas and I'm joined as I am twice a week on this very feed to talk all things college football with my college football expert, friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, go Nighthawks, 
Matt Green. You can find him on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas. Email us at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Go check out Chase Thomas Podcast.com if you have not already done so. Uh, and subscribe to the newsletter. Writing there every single day, all kinds of great stuff, great content at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Again, that is sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Matt, I know you're prepping for Gold Rush, trying to figure out uh, what you're going to bring to Gold Rush. And uh, I think it's next weekend um, up there in Dahlonega. I know you're you're excited to go gold uh, gold hunting, gold fishing. What is it? Is it gold is searching? It panning, panning for gold? Is it is panning for gold? Is that the verb? Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, I've never panned for gold. So I wasn't uh, 100% certain about the, the way to phrase that. But thankfully... Thankfully, you're the true Nighthawk here, the true North Yeah, you've never experienced Dahlonega then, man. I mean, you know what? Both my parents also graduated from North Georgia, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the first thing everyone tells you, like, when they hear you into North Georgia, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that campus is beautiful. And you're just like, yeah, I didn't actually, <laughs> I didn't actually go up there. I went, I went up there like three times in my entire time there. If they had a football team, how many games would you go to a year? If they were FCS in Kennesaw's I mean, division. I don't even know. I might go to a game a mm-hmm. year, but it's like, I'm, I'm never going to care as much about North Georgia as I do about UGA or the SEC or any of that. You know, like, I wonder how people do it. Like at, at the Georgia Southern, not in Georgia Southern, they're a little more big time. Like the Kennesaw States. Like, do you really care about this? Like, really care about this football team the pageantry like i don't know it just do your thing not gonna rain on kennesaw state fans uh parade well it is interesting because they've been extremely successful but it's also like um i'm sure you went down to statesboro a lot in your your youth like myself and i had a good friend who went down there and i went down there several times and i went down there when they were still fcs i have not been i don't think since they moved up to the power five or to the um fbs and I just wonder what these schools like App State and Southern and Marshall and programs that really ran FCS and won national titles is, is it fun to be in the Sun Belt and never competing for a championship ever again? Like, is it fun to know that there's no path to you ever winning a title ever again? Right, like, right. North Dakota State, that seems like way more fun. That's what like, I would winning think. Winning championships. That's what I would think. That is my perspective, but I, I, my gut tells me that they make a bunch more money being in the Sun Belt and FBS, and that's yeah, all it for is for sure. And as but from the bowl, from the bowls and everything like that. But yeah, like and I mean, half the pit. I mean, honestly, more than half the students that go to Georgia Southern are Georgia fans, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like they're not really competing at the same level, even though we pretend they're all competing at the same level. <laughs> we do. Uh, well, not. You and I on this podcast are very clear. Group of five and the power of five are playing different schedules um, or playing for different reasons. It's time for our pickup, Matt Green. Would you like to refresh the listeners? What happened this weekend where nature corrected itself? In yeah, my you had your, uh, your, your best week of the season so far. So it uh, brings you to 28 and 28 Ooh. overall. So. Finally got to 500 overall, still just 25, 30, and 1 against the spread. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're getting there. And then I am 36 and 20 overall. Mm. Big big flex right there. (laughs) And uh, 28, 27, and 1 against the spread. And then we got Zeus at 3 and 1 with his uh, home dogs of the week. He got his first loss of the season. Poor Zeus, man. Mm. 
Mm. Never yeah, been in the Leah, Terps ever again. Leah Tungavailoa, he um he did not come to play last was it Friday night? Thursday it was night? Friday, yeah. Yeah, last Friday night. It was not not a good not a good showing. No. Well, uh, we have some games to get to. The biggest one of the weekend, we should start here. Uh, Penn State, Iowa, even though this is where, not where college game day is going to be. Um, this is a pivotal matchup um, for both of these programs. Iowa hasn't lost in forever. Penn State has just two gigantic wins on their slate already this year, beating Wisconsin and Auburn. They have risen to the challenges that have been before them to this point. Um, they shut out indiana last week first time indiana has been shut out in forever um this is going to be such an interesting game i am so excited to watch this one um i i was diving through the numbers about both these schools and they're they're similar in some ways very different in others um depending on like i i think how you feel about spencer petrus who's been a lot better as of late um just how dominant iowa is basically georgia of the big 10 when you look at it like iowa has a lot of a lot of Georgia in them. Kirk Ferentz has a lot of Georgia in him. And Penn State is interesting because I think Penn State has more talent. I think Penn State, uh, they're in the top 16 in blue chipper ratio. Iowa is not. Uh, they have more skill talent, but Iowa has the they're better coached, I think. But it's still pretty close because Brent Pry has coached that defense up. And I, I am so curious to see how this goes. I think it's going to be super close, super interesting. And the thing that I keep coming back to, the average length of an Iowa scoring drive in 2021, just 39.6 yards, Matt Green. That blew my mind. Um, I have no idea what to make of Iowa's offense. I keep thinking things are going to come to a head at some point. that They can't keep scoring this much on defense and can't keep playing the way they're playing and really run the gauntlet in the Big Ten. Um, I do think it can't work against Ohio State. But can it work against Penn State? Yes. But I I still have gone back and forth on this one so many times. Every other game on our on our pick'em, I'm pretty comfortable with. This one I'm not. What about you? I uh I tend to agree with you. I went I went back and forth. Um and I tend to agree with your overall just kind of feeling of Iowa. It feels like they're gonna get tripped up. But you look at this this schedule, like if they can get past Penn State, like at Wisconsin is honestly one of the only places I can see them losing. Like I don't I don't feel like anyone else on the schedule is gonna necessarily expose their weakness. And if this was in Happy Valley, I think I'm taking Penn State. But Iowa I don't know, there's something about something about this team this year. Like they're they're second in the country in scoring defense. Penn State's third in the country in scoring defense, by the way. But They've just they forced a lot of turnovers. And I think like this style, like you're saying, just kind of just all defense and, and so little offense, like you like that style does travel well, but you worry about just the momentum of a road game, you know, kind of getting away from you. So the fact that Iowa is at home, like they're seventh in the country in total D, first in the country with twelve interceptions, like first in turnover margin, like I feel like those are all those are all just signs of a team that doesn't beat themselves. And I feel like Penn State is going to be the team that makes, you know, one too many mistakes. And then the home atmosphere of Iowa is going to be, I feel like that, that accounts for three or four points in this, in this 
uh, in this game, honestly. So I'm going to take Iowa in, in a close one, like a like a 17-13 type of game. Whew. Um, I'm going Penn State here. I I think this is the biggest game in James Franklin's tenure at Penn State. I think Penn State, if there was a year for them to really run the gauntlet, if I had to pick who right now has looked like the most complete team to me in the Big Ten, I think Penn State's looked the most complete. I think I, Ohio State has the highest upside still. Um, the defense, I'm still not convinced. Like Blowing out Rutgers does not change my sentiment on my my hesitation with that defense. Oh, Penn State's got the defense. Sean Clifford's looked better. They have running backs. They have the offensive line. They have guys outside in Dotson. They have everything you were looking for in a college football playoff team. They feel like this year's Notre Dame to me, where like they're getting stomped by Alabama or Georgia in a college football playoff format, but they do feel like a complete football team, one of the four or five best teams in the country, and they have to win this one. If they can win this one, I think they're in good shape because they, they can still drop that Ohio State game in the regular season and be okay. But I, I think they they win. Give me Penn State 27, Iowa 17. Also, who's in charge of the programming here? This is 4 o'clock on Fox. Mm. We're going to have this going op- opposite Georgia-Auburn at 3.30. Oh, malarkey. Where's the big noon? I thought, I thought that's what the Big Ten was doing. Well, the big noon is Tennessee versus South Carolina. Parents will be here for it. Uh, Sports Renaissance Women's going. It's going to be great. Yeah, people are. I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Tennessee juice is mm-hmm. that the SEC Network game? It is. So. No, actually, it's ESPN two. I think. Oh, okay. Well, um, keeping it moving. Mm-hmm. Friday night, we go to the Pac twelve, getting weird on a weekday. Stanford goes on the road at Arizona State. Arizona State is a ten and a half point favorite at home. What are your thoughts on this one? Ooh, okay. So I, I've done a lot of homework this week, Matt Green. Really diving in now that we're halfway through the season almost. Really want to, I think we are at a point where we know who a lot of teams are at this point. Not a lot of uncertainty, I don't think. There's still, there's still some uncertainty uh, in some places, but I think we know who Stanford is. Stanford, like you, ha- they, they can drag you down to the pits of despair with them, but they are 103 in total offense per CFB stats. You watch Stanford, that's what happens. Like, if Oregon had a quarterback who could go downfield just a little bit, they beat Stanford, but Anthony Brown is just extremely limited in what he could do, and it was just the perfect thing for Stanford. Arizona State is not Oregon. Or is not uh, Oregon. The Sun Devils and Jaden Daniels uh, have figured a lot out. They beat UCLA. They ran on UCLA. They hit the deep ball on UCLA. The Sun Devils are 16th in offensive efficiency. They are 5th in net yards per play in the country. These are not Pac-12. This is in the country. Um, he was hitting some deep shots. Daniels has figured a lot of stuff out. I love his body language. I I am all in on the Sun Devils right now. I think we're on a collision course to just like my Pac-12 Utopia championship game. Do you know what we're on pace for right now? If it happened today, do you know who the Pac-12 championship game would include? Uh, Is it... Is it not Oregon and Arizona State? No. Who's in the north? Oregon State. We're getting Oregon State, Arizona oh. State. Wow. I'm sure you love that. Oh, my goodness. Like, I might fly 
where is it held? Is it where is the Pac-12 title game? Is it San Diego? Where is it? I think it's been in Santa Clara. Santa Clara. That's right. Levi Stadium. Yeah. So you're uh so wait what so what's your pick on this one? Uh, give me Arizona State to win and cover comfortably. I think they blow out Stanford here. I um I agree, but I feel like I don't agree that. Mm. We don't we don't know who teams are yet. Like this feels especially in the Pac twelve, it feels like as soon as you think you know someone, then they, they come up with a letdown then the very next week. Like I was so close to picking Stanford. The ten and a half points too is a little high. But yeah, at home on a Friday night, I'm gonna take Arizona State as well. But not feeling confident about it. Mm. Um and we got noon on ABC. We got the site of college game day. The Red River Rivalry, as they call it now. Ugh. We won't do it's, it on this podcast. The Red River Shootout is what's the happening. The Red River Shootout. Mm-hmm. Sixth-ranked Oklahoma at, or not at, but in the Cotton Bowl versus number 21, Texas. Texas is a three-and-a-half-point dog in this one. I went back and forth on this one, to be honest. Like, I feel like with how unimpressive Oklahoma has looked throughout the first four or five games. I just, I feel like Texas has the athletes to exploit some of those weaknesses. Like if, if Kansas state can hang with you, if Nebraska can hang with you, then I feel like Texas can hang with you. Like Texas has the top scoring offense in the big 12 so far. Number one rushing offense in the big 12. Oklahoma also has the top rushing defense in the big 12. Uh, I just keep going back and forth. What are your thoughts on this one? I don't think this is as back and forth as people are making it out to be. I don't get it. Like, Texas, Casey Thompson, did you see that throw he made against TCU? I linked it in the in the outline. Threw it into, like, quadruple coverage deep. Um, he's been fine. He's been an upgrade over Hudson Card in the middle of the year. Uh, I have a stat for you on Texas, though. And this is uh, shots fired at Texas A&M. So... Casey Thompson has 12 touchdown passes. He hasn't even started every game in Austin this this fall. Texas A&M as a whole has 12 touchdown passes on the season. Oof. Man, Oof. that's tough. Um, another stat for you. So Oklahoma has won 13 games dating back to last season. 13 game win streak, right? The Sooners have 46 sacks. In those games. That's tied for the most in the nation. They have 18 interceptions during this stretch, which is six nationally. They have gotten at least one turnover in 11 straight games. The Sooners defense under Alex Grinch has figured it out. Like, I think people still have this memory of what LSU did to them in the playoff a year and a half ago now. Everything since then, they figured it out. Like, Alex Grinch has gotten this defense turned around. OU is defensive you right now spencer rattler is getting better and he was better i watched that whole k-state game on saturday rattler was fine ou is more complete than they've been in a long time under lincoln riley would it help if they had a kyler under center would they be the best team like would they be able to really really compete with georgia and um alabama if that were the case yes however they are complete everywhere else ou is they know who they are they're they're not losing dumb games partly because this defense is too good. Their defense is legit. And I think Texas and Casey Thompson's going to have some problems. I think we're going to see both quarterbacks in this game for Texas. 
I think Oklahoma wins, and Oklahoma wins comfortably. Give me, give me the Sooners. See, Oklahoma has won, like, but they've messed around a lot. Like they, like it's hard to say they're the most complete team when this team has an elite offense every year, and right now they don't have that. Well, they're like, not Clemson, so- who's like one nineteenth. You, you know, Clemson's. I think last I checked, they're like one hundred nineteenth in offensive efficiency to this point in the year. They're not that. No, I mean they're better than Clemson right now, but I'm just saying like I'm not I, it's hard for me to like make any def- clear definitive statements on what o- Oklahoma is so far. Like the defensive stats are great, but if the offense is coming back down to to earth, then you know, it's hard to it's hard to consider them a national champion contender cuz a true championship contender because their offense is what was carrying them the entire time. So Got off on a tangent. That's big picture with Oklahoma, but I still think I'm going to take Oklahoma in this one. But I, I feel like it's going to be close. I feel like Bijan Robinson, whether it's you know running the ball or catching it out of the backfield, I think he's going to make a lot of plays in this one. But I see Oklahoma winning like a 34, you know, 27 kind of game. Mm. But uh, but keeping it moving. Uh, in the Big Ten, we got 10th ranked Michigan State at Rutgers. Rutgers is a five-point dog at home. What say you, Chase? I don't understand this line at all. I don't... Like, Rutgers got boat raced. Boat raced by uh, Ohio State last weekend. Um, The only reason they were in the Michigan game is because Michigan's offense is just that. Like, they're 2008 Alabama with Greg McElroy right now. Um, Michigan State, they can play. This offense is good. Like, it's just preposterous that the Spartans are now an offensive team. Like, Mel Tucker's there, and that's one thing. But, like, this is not your Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State Spartans. Like, this is not who they are anymore. They are an offense-first team, and Rutgers' offense is still not anywhere close to where it needs to be to to compete at a, at a huge clip. Um, they beat Michigan State last year in a hilarious game, but very different scenario, very different situation. Michigan State with Peyton Thorne, Kenneth Walker, like this offense is, I believe, yeah, eighth in yards per play in the country, averaging 7.1 yards per play. Give me the Spartans to win and win big. I don't understand this at all. I think it's just it comes down to the schedule. I think Michigan State, yeah, I mean, they've, they've scored a lot of points this year, but Northwestern and Nebraska are their two. Big Ten wins, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, and Miami out of out of conference. Like, who's the good team in those five games so far? Like, Rutgers, yeah, they got blasted by Ohio State, but like, I don't know. I don't think that applies to this game. You know, like I think Ohio State would probably blast Michigan State right now. Like, mm. Michigan State's been a good story, but I don't think they're true team. And I think going on the road, like. I'm not going to say like Rutgers is is battle tested or anything, even though they've played good teams because, you know, they haven't necessarily looked good against those good teams. But I feel like this is just a weird college football season and going on the road. I I like Rutgers, honestly. I think I like Michigan State to keep it close or to win, but I like Rutgers to cover and this could be like an an ugly like close game, like kind of like the Nebraska one was, a, a 23-20 a game where Michigan State escapes. Okay. All right. Where are we going next? And uh, keeping it moving, we got noon on ESPN. The uh, the Constellation Bowl from, from last week's big-time SEC games. 
We got Arkansas at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is at home, and they are a six-point favorite. Uh, what do you think about this one? Six feels almost exactly right, because this, I think, is going to be the closest big game of the weekend. Um, this is huge for both programs, because it's going to... I forgot who made this point, but I, I agree with it. It's like, whoever wins this is going to a New Year's Six Bowl, and whoever doesn't is going to one of the forgettable Florida Bowls, right? Like, that's basically what's on the line here. Uh, for these two schools, Sam Pittman was like, we're not going to let what George did to us distract us from beating Ole Miss. You have Lane Kiffin apologizing for get your popcorn ready. Um, I went Ole Miss here to win and cover because I still like KJ Jefferson's not right. And we saw what Arkansas looks like without a quarterback and it's not good. Um, I don't think you can beat Ole Miss. We saw what Arkansas looks like against the juggernaut that is the Georgia Bulldogs is what we saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... You can't like Arkansas would lose to Tennessee right now. Like that is where they're at because I just don't think you can survive when you can't score enough. Like with certain, I would pump the brakes on that one. Why you can't? Because I mean, this team is like before the Georgia game. There, I mean, this they were the 17th ranked offense in the country. Mm -hmm. Like then they played Georgia. Now they're like the 50th ranked offense in the country because they had like 170 yards. I think, I think people. Are, are making way too big of a deal about, you know, just getting shut down by a juggernaut. Like, I think that's essentially exactly what happened. Like, they ran into the best defense in college football on the road, too, and they just couldn't score. Like, I feel like Ole Miss, people just kind of have this assumption that they've already arrived. Like, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a strange way people, because everyone just loves Lane Kiffin, and the, the offense is so fun and everything, but but I think you touched on it uh, a second ago. This is a huge game in terms of the trajectory of these teams. Like, mm -hmm. Both of these coaches are in year two. I feel like they were both slightly overrated going into last week. Like they just neither had really had a, a great competition to that point. But there's something about Arkansas's defense that Georgia was able to just muscle them and just run all over them. Ole Miss, like, they do have a good running game, but they're going to lean on that dynamic passing game and Matt Corral to make plays. And he threw six picks against this defense last year. Like, I know it's, he's a year matured. It's it's a new season and everything. But I I tend to like Arkansas going on the road and, and getting a win in this one. I just, like, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that Ole Miss is just – you know, going to take care of business. I think the SEC West in general is just completely up for grabs right now. Like other than Alabama, like two through, well, I feel like a and is the clear seventh team in the West right now, but like two through six, like literally any of these teams could finish second to sixth. And I wouldn't be surprised. I'd probably put LSU down there with A&M at the moment. That's true. But like Mississippi, LSU beat Mississippi state. So like they could be down there. It's like it's hard to say like Auburn by by the end of it, like Auburn could be the second best team in the West. Like mm -hmm. they could end up being better than Arkansas or Ole Miss. So I think people got a little infatuated with with Arkansas and Ole Miss just kind of after their their, you know, everyone just loves these head coaches and they got to the fast start. But neither of them had to go on the road in Happy Valley like Auburn had to do. So, you know, I just think it's a. It, the SEC West is just totally up for grabs, and I'm 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 excited to see how it shakes out. Okay, all right. So We're, moving forward, mm -hmm. we got another nooner: West Virginia at Baylor, and Baylor is a three-point favorite at home. We've talked about West Virginia; they 
They're 0-2 on the road so far this year. They have three losses this year by a total of 12 points. So they're in every game they play. But I think Baylor just ran into a better Oklahoma State team on the road last week. And I think at home this week, I think they're going to bounce back and take care of business. So give me the Bears to to win and cover. We agree here. Um, Baylor's ninth in yards per play. They can't throw the ball at all. Their passing offense sucks, but they can run. And I think this is going to be low scoring. It's going to be a lot like uh, playing Oklahoma State here. Um, if this was in Morgantown, I think I would pick the Mountaineers. It's just kind of amazing how hot and cold they are, depending on whether or not they're at home. Uh, Jared Togi's been better than I expected this year. This offense is a little bit better, but I just uh, I think Baylor has their way. Um, their ninth, I think I said in yards per play. West Virginia is 42nd in passing offense. Baylor 87th. Like they have no downfield passing threat whatsoever. All that being said, their defense is legit. I think Baylor is just uh, a little bit more complete than West Virginia is at this point. But Neil Brown's doing great work. Dave Aranda's doing great work at Baylor. Uh, but still, give me give me the Bears here. All right, let's keeping it moving. Three thirty, CBS. Not Garrett Danielson and Brad Nestler. We got the we got the B team doing this one. Wait, really? Yeah, because uh, Bama Texas A M is the eight o'clock CBS, so they got the double header going this weekend. Why did they so, do that? I guess they thought Bama A M would be a good game before the. I I think they have to declare their oh. like one night game like before the season starts. Hmm. So I think they kind of already like reserve like we're gonna have a double header this weekend. Like and this is gonna be the much better game. Yeah, and usually it's LSU, Alabama. They kind of choose for their mm. their night game. It was Georgia Notre Dame a few years ago, but yeah, A and M, like Clemson, you'd have to say is the most disappointing team in college football this year. Yeah. But A and M has got to be a close second. Like they, they look bad. But, North Carolina's up there. Yeah, without a doubt. But none of those teams are playing in this game. This game, we got the number two Georgia Bulldogs going on the road. To Jordan Hare, the 18th ranked Auburn Tigers are a 14 and a half point dog at home. What are your thoughts about this one? Okay, people are now back on the Bo Nick stuff because of his crazy pass against LSU. Is a great comfort behind win. Um, Demetrius Robertson, Kirby was all class when talking about Robertson. Did you see what he was saying about him this week? Because that's what Kirby, he's a classy guy, man. That's He's always all class. Okay. We, no, we no both I'm just joking. But, um, <laughs> but what, 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 I didn't see what he said. He though. just wished him the best and that he like understood why Robertson left because he wanted a bigger role. And I think it seemed like he couldn't be promised that. And Robertson didn't know that the wide receiver room would fall apart like it did. Um, that's the whole I mean, thing. Honestly, with the tr- I still don't see him making an impact with the receivers that are left. I feel like Demetrius Robertson just... He's just not really that good, honestly. No disrespect, but I, I don't think he's – I think he's like Georgia's like eighth best wide receiver, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He might be fifth right now if with all the injuries, but I still don't see him making much of an impact. Um, I did think this is interesting. This comes from Brent Rollins on Twitter. Um, so he did a career grades 2019 to current. Bo Nick, 70.9. Uh, Stetson Bennett, 76.8 overall. Uh, Nick's has a 67.4 passing grade. Stetson Bennett had a 73.9. Um, and then 43 big time throws for Nick's at this point. Uh, 16 for Stetson. And then uh, turnover worthy plays. 
35 for Bo Nix in 1,038 dropbacks, and then 12 for 264 dropbacks for Stetson. So pretty similar numbers and pretty similar players with very, very different pedigrees. Um, I th- I guess we're getting Stetson Bennett. That's like the biggest question mark. Um, we've joked that you might as well just put JT Daniels in a bubble until the playoff or the SEC title game. Um, Cause if you can win without him, you might as well just let him heal up and be ready to go um, when it matters. Because you've asked this question and I've seen Georgia fans on Twitter, Graham, um he's been on this podcast from the pod douglas dog sports live good dude he has tweeted about this and georgia fans i think there's some that believe that they really could run the college football playoff and win a title with stetson but it's like well i mean alabama did it with blake sims they've done it with worse quarterbacks than than uh well bama didn't win it with blake sims well i mean they got to the playoff they got to the title game but they also did who was it coker did Coker yeah, win? Coker, yeah, Coker won a championship. Yeah, it was Sims Coker, and they lost in the first round to right uh, Ohio to Ohio State. State yeah, um, but Coker won it. Um, obviously, AJ McCarron. Like that's all. Like you can win it with subpar quarterbacks, and you can run the gambit if you have just an elite, crazy amount of talent. And they do. Um, Clemson probably could have won with Kelly Bryant potentially, but either way, it is interesting here to see what happens. Um, I'm curious if it is Stetson, how this works. Um, Auburn doesn't have a good front. So I don't think this is the kind of matchup that I would be worried about as a Georgia fan, just because the dirty little secret about Auburn is their pass rush is non-existent. It's just not the Derek Brown pass rush that we're accustomed to uh, in years past that Kevin Steele front seven is just not, not the same. So Derek Mason's been good, but it's just, it's not, not elite. And, uh, I'm curious if Tank Bigsby is able to run on the Georgia defense. No one has to this point. So if he cannot, Bo Nix is going to be doing a lot of crazy stuff. Um, I did think this was interesting from UGA Rivals. Uh, They had, quote, "Um, every offense, and this is coming from Kirby, every offense has a scramble plan. It's a lot more calculated than you might think. Every offense from Coach Bobo, who Kirby is actually like best friends with still, to Coach Todd Monken, to everyone in the country, they have a scramble plan. I would love to pick the brain of all these different coaches and be like, the scramble plan? What is this? Explain to me what your scramble plan is for your quarterbacks. I love this. Um, what do you make of all that? Well, yeah, I think um, I just don't see Auburn. When, when a team has a, such a a weakness offensively, it just seems like if they're one-dimensional, like Georgia just usually just kind of, suffocates those types of offenses especially if 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 they don't have a a dynamic passing attack and like you saw last year like georgia just getting all over bo Nix, like just running for his life that entire game and this georgia pass rush is is honestly so much better than it was a year ago like this defense in general is just swarming and so I don't want to base it all on the 2020 game, but it's like that was also Stetson Bennett's like first start of his of his career too. You know, it, also crazy fact: Stetson Bennett has like eight career starts, and three of them were the college game day game of the week. Like, how absurd is that? Like the the career that this guy has. Like, Aaron Murray, who started for four years, may have not have had three games that were college game day, but. Georgia's won four straight in this series. Seven of the last eight versus Auburn. It feels like like if Stetson Bennett is the guy, it feels like it could be like, you know, a close game, 
Like if JT Daniels is the quarterback, like I don't see them keeping it within three touchdowns. I think I think Georgia's offense is that much more dynamic when JT Daniels is in. But with Stetson Bennett in, like I think people kind of, you know, sell sell him short on how how good he can actually be. It's like, yeah, he was seven for eleven. You know, you can say he managed the game or whatever, but. If you can just straight run it down somebody's throat, then you run it down their throat. You don't have to pass. You don't have to risk everything that comes with passing the ball downfield. So Stetson Bennett does have the ability to make some plays in the, in, in the passing game. If you're relying too much on him, it's obviously not going to be a good thing. But I just think Auburn's just a little too one-dimensional. Like I'm sure Bo Nix is going to make some plays, kind of run around and make something happen here and there. But it's probably just because he's going to have so many opportunities running for his life that, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure a, a couple of times so he'll scramble down and find somebody. But I just think this Georgia defense is just is just too much. And if, if they can if they can take the crowd out of this game early, I think you could see them win easily. You know, like like back in 2019, it was a 21 zero game going into the fourth quarter. And then Georgia kind of let him get back in it. And that crowd got rocking. Like and that's basically what Georgia did with everybody in 2019. Just didn't put any teams away that year. But this Georgia team feels different, so it feels like it. it you know, it could be a, a a 20 to 10 game going into the fourth, or it could be fairly close. But I think ultimately Georgia's going to win and cover. I agree. I think until until Georgia really struggles, I'm not going to pick Georgia to struggle. So give me Georgia to win and cover. All right, keeping it moving, we got uh, ACC action. We got Wake Forest at 19th ranked Wake Forest at Syracuse. The Orange are a six and a half point home dog. What do you say about this one? Wake Forest is going to walk through this one, right? Like, I like just Syracuse lost to Florida State last weekend. Florida State is awful. Syracuse, Dino Babers. Um, we like him, but this is a... Do you know who their quarterback is? I didn't realize this until watching the, the clips of last week. I honestly don't. He was the former quarterback at Mississippi State. Do you remember which one it is? Oh, man. Um, is it that guy that did the, the huge flip that one time? Nick Fitzgerald? Yeah, you know I'm talking about? No, that, that wasn't Fitzgerald, I don't think, that did the... 360 in the air like the, it was against like kansas state oh yes it like is that. i know who you're about yes that's who it is that's who it is who's yes. that guy's name garrett schrader ah okay that's 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 a throwback garrett schrader is the quarterback at syracuse is that so not is that wild thing huh is that a good thing no it's not <laughs> it's not um sam hartman in this group is special um sam hartman when pressured in week five uh, this is coming from PFF. Uh, he was the number three quarterback when pressured in all of college football last week. Um, 122.3 quarterback rating when pressured. Give me the fighting Hartmans. The Demon Deacons stay undefeated this week. Give me Wake Forest to win and cover. Yeah, you. Uh, I wrote down exactly what you said. If Florida State can beat Syracuse, then I imagine <laughs> Wake Forest should be able to beat them by a touchdown. So give me the Demon Deacons. And let's go out to the Mountain West. Mm. We got a couple of a uh, couple of hot starts here. We got the Wyoming Cowboys going on the road at Air Force. Air Force is a uh, four-point favorite at home. The way I see it, 
Air Force has been blowing teams out this year. Wyoming's been winning close games. At home, Colorado Springs. Give me a, give me the Falcons. Air Force. Ooh, shots fired at the Cowboys. Um, shout out to Craig Bull. Uh, doing great work over there in Wyoming. Um, what scares me here? So I saw this, Matt Green. This isn't fair. And look, I'm very pro armed forces. Son of a former Marine. Tired Marine, I think is the right way to phrase that. Um, the fans get flyby from four helicopters in this game. Four helicopters before the game starts. It's uh, a show of hashtag air power brought to you by the 58th Special Operations Wing, Kirtland AFB, New Mexico. What are you supposed to do with that? Like, that's going to get the Air Force Falcons all the way hype. Like, this is going to be electric in Fort Collins. Is it Fort Collins? I think it's Fort Collins, Colorado. It's Colorado Springs. Or is it Colorado, Colorado Springs? Is, yeah. I think Colorado State's in Fort Collins. Okay, yeah, yeah, Colorado Springs, yeah. Um, it's going to be electric. Like, it's going to be it's gonna be a crazy atmosphere. Uh, Wyoming is 4-0 for the first time since 1996. Also, the Cowboys... Their record versus Air Force in their previous eight Mountain West openers, exactly 500, four and four. I think this is going to be a tight game. And uh, I am with you. I think Air Force is pretty good this year. I, I like Air Force. Give me Air Force to win and cover. All right. And uh, keeping it moving, uh, 7.30 ACC Network. I don't know if you want to call this an ACC, an a, a pseudo ACC <laughs> matchup here. We got North, uh, Notre Dame on the road, Lane Stadium. Virginia Tech is a one-point dog at home. This seems like a dangerous game. Like I mm. know Notre Dame just won last or just lost last week, so they're looking for a bounce back. But um, they got this this quarterback situation is kind of uncertain. Like I'm I'm thinking they go Drew Pine, right? Like it seems like the logical way to go. I mean, I think so. He he showed some stuff, especially downfield last week. Um, Sign me Tyler Buckner. He has no downfield aspect. He's kind of like a change of pace guy. So, and I think we we know what Jack Cohn is. Um, you have nothing to lose down the stretch with Drew Pine, and I think he sh- he showed the most of the three. So I would go Pine. Also, what's going to help them? Uh, Virginia Tech can't go downfield at all either. Braxton Burmeister is not good. Like very very not good. And Virginia Tech's what three and one. Um. No, I, I don't think Virginia Tech's going to be able to do this because the offense is in this game, man, is what I wrote down. This is going to be ugly. Like you, Notre Dame is just only playing in ugly football games this year, it seems like. If you thought Notre Dame, Wisconsin was ugly, wait until you watch Braxton Burmeister versus Drew Pine this week. But at least Burmeister can make some plays with his legs. Like mm. the Wisconsin quarterbacks couldn't even do anything. Um, uh, I, I was... I feel like I want to pick the upset. Mm. Like I'm, 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 I'm thinking about it, but like you said, I feel like these these ugly games, like these teams that you know, kind of want to do the same type of thing Notre Dame wants to do. I, uh, I think going on the road, I think Notre Dame, you know, wins a close one. So I'll take Notre Dame to win and cover as well. And then uh, the last one we got, you see, you took Notre Dame, right? Yeah, Notre Dame to win and cover. You know what's also interesting? The talent gap here. People aren't going to notice it on the screen, but I made a note of this. So 55% blue chip ratio for the Fighting Irish. 
Virginia Tech's only at 20.8%. That is so low, I feel like, from what Virginia Tech used to be. Like, the talent gap here is crazy. Like, a shell of what they were, really. Yeah, they have the talent of, like, Wake Forest. It's bonkers to me to see that. It really is. And, um... Justin Fuente, how much time? How how many games does he have to win to be safe this mm. year? Eight. Eight. I think that's a good number. All right, moving on. Uh, final game. We got Utah at USC. Eight o'clock on Fox. USC is a three and a half point favorite at home. I'm just not buying Utah right mm. now. Like they just. They do not look like the team I was expecting coming into this season. Drake London. This guy. You see what this guy's done in five games? (laughs) 48 catches, 670 yards, four touchdowns through five games. He's been a stud. Interesting stat for you. Utah is 0-2 on the road this year. But interestingly enough, USC against Pac-12 competition is actually 0-2 at home. Mm. So something's going to have to give in this one. I like USC to win by the three and a half and, uh, and cover. I don't hate this. I don't hate this. Um, do you know when the last time Utah won at USC was? Oh, I do not. 1916. Oh, wow. <laughs> A couple years before they joined the Pac-12. <laughs> um... Other those bonkers, but SMP Plus, uh, shout out to our friend Bill Connolly at ESPN, doing great work over there. Um, he has this as a virtual tie, like when he in his score prediction, like the the computers have this as a literal tie. Um, but I also just think, man, you you mentioned Utah's season; they have had the roughest season of anyone in college football. Um, they lost a running back uh, who got killed last off season. Um, then they lose Aaron Lowe. Uh, a defensive back um, who got shot and killed uh, a week and a half ago, I think now. Um, so they returned to practice this Monday, like they're just grieving another current player death. Um, Utah has just had like, I-, I can't imagine two teammates killed in less than six months apart, or I guess it'd be like less than a year apart. Um, man, Utah, I just, just a brutal, brutal year for them. Charlie Brewer leaves in the middle of the season. Um, I don't know. Utah is just, they've had the season from from hell, and I just will be rooting hard for the Utes. Um, so I, I think USC wins here, but man, uh, it'd be cool if Utah won. Follow up to your, uh, to your little fun fact there about 1916. Uh, do you have... Any idea what conference Utah was in in 1916? <laughs> I does it still exist? It does not. I was going to say not. Not the whack, was it? It was not. It was the RMC, <laughs> the Rocky Mountain Conference. <laughs> this there was nine teams in this conference. Mm-hmm. Wait. Eight teams in this conference. Guess how many of them are in Colorado? <laughs> Zero. Yes. Five. Oh, wow. Can you name five colleges in Colorado? Okay, let me do this. Colorado? And Air Force isn't one of them. Oh, okay. I just lost one. Uh, Colorado, Colorado State, 
that's yeah. it. No. Um, yeah. Colorado College. Okay. Denver. Okay. They're good at ice Colorado hockey. I know that. Mines. Mm. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> but yeah, Colorado Mines College. I don't know. It was like a mining college, if that's what's going on there. But yeah, as well as Utah, Utah State, and Wyoming. That was the Rocky Mountain Conference back in in 1916. So there's a there's a fun fact for you. They were in the Rocky Mountain Conference from uh from 1910 to uh 1937 before they joined the uh the Mountain States Athletic Conference. I think we all remember MSAC. But um, you know, everyone knows that stuff. So we'll keep it moving. There you go. There you go. Well, that will do it for our pick on a couple other games we can run through quickly. Uh we got Maryland at Ohio State. How do you see that going? Um, I see Ohio State taking care of business. Uh, the Terps let me down, and uh, I'm off the bandwagon. Yeah, I, I think uh, Ohio State. Big one here, but I think this is something to monitor because I don't think Ohio State's defense is fixed. And they're like Maryland's not playing Iowa's defense this week. I would be monitoring this game from a college football fan. Not watching, mm. monitoring. I would monitor this one. Um, I would not be surprised if Maryland's up 28-10 to 10 at one point in this game. I will say that. Um south carolina at florida or at tennessee rather i'll be there with the fam tennessee wearing some black unis that you've made a lot of jokes about i wrote about it today oh man these Mm. unis what are they doing you're saying you're saying they couldn't get black helmets correct because of of covid shipping issues yes like there was a i think it was a rydell that like blew up that was something that happened um shipping's messed up it's almost impossible to get a hundred alternate helmets uh this fall right now you should just stash these away just wait till wait till you get the black helmets to go with this because i think the jerseys pants all black i'm not hating on it you know even though you know i do have a philosophy about teams that don't have black in their color scheme rocking black tennessee kind of seems like an exception because they really only have one color you know they have white and then orange so I feel like I kind of make an exception for those kind of teams. Did you but... just listen list white first for Tennessee? They have white and then orange. Well, because I wasn't counting white, you know, okay. I wasn't counting that as a color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I say they really only have one color. Like when Nebraska bust out the black, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't like it, but all you have is red. So I understand wanting to do something different. Iowa State, you have burgundy and gold. You don't need black. Grinds my gears. But Tennessee, these helmets, I feel like just throw the whole thing off. I, I thought it was Missouri when I first looked at it. I just, I don't know. I want to like it. Just br- give me the smoky grays, man. That's We all want the smoky grays. Just bring them back. That's, if you can be the most anti, is this just hype will be the most anti-Jeremy Pruitt as possible? <laughs> He's just like, look, guys, it's a new era. I like to have fun. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. And I think he, he coming from UCF and Mizzou, um look man i think it's easy it's an easy recruiting win and good for morale if you watch the video of the players they're all excited jumping around like this is just an easy thing to get people psyched and south carolina has like the 88th run defense in the country so they're getting gashed and uh tennessee is going to wreck south carolina on saturday um i just wish they would have saved it for kiffin next saturday um under the lights at Nealon on that network um would have been a lot more fun against old miss because i think black unis like this are going to look bad at noon in Nealon. it's going to be hot and during the day and i imagine the players are going to get hot in this black i don't know not the best timing 
Noon. That's a good point. I don't, I don't like that for a noon for a noon start. Yeah. Can you imagine the Georgia Auburn game if they were wearing the black during that game? Like the whole broadcast looks so much better because it was black and seeing the crowd all decked out in black, it just looks better. Yeah, I agree with that. I've said I've said for years Georgia should do a you know one night home game a year. Like just rock those black jerseys, man. They're dope, but they just don't do it. Um, every recruit ever in the picture when they commit, they're rocking a black jersey, but they just. I guess when you when you commit to Georgia, you're celebrating the last time you can wear black jerseys. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, Virginia at Louisville, I think, will be a highlight factory. Malik Cunningham versus Brandon Armstrong. That's something to monitor if you want to see some red zone stuff. Um, I I think I'm surprised you didn't have BYU number ten in the team in the country hosting Boise on ABC. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Jaron Hall versus Hank Bachmeyer. That's going to be on the DVR. I'll probably watch that Sunday morning. Um, we get Navy who bounced back this past week. Seems like they're getting their act together. They're hosting number 24 SMU. Any thoughts on those games? Um, no, we can keep it moving on those <laughs> games. I have nothing to add. We got to get hit on a couple of these SEC games though. Okay. Well, we got Oregon state at Washington state. We got North Texas at Mizzou. I figured you wanted to hit that one. Uh, TCU at Texas tech. Big game for Texas Tech, who's only lost one game when they gave up 70 to the Horns. That should be fascinating. Um, we got Michigan at Nebraska at 7.30 on, NBC, on ABC. I think Nebraska wins that game. Uh, we got mm, LSU. right there. Nebraska's figured themselves out. The offense looks okay. I don't know if Michigan can score enough. I am not convinced that their playing style is conducive to keeping this thing going. I don't know. We know what Harbaugh is in September and early October. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll see. Um, LSU at Kentucky. Whew. Um, this is. I mean, I think Kentucky's going to win this one too. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think the brands are really the only thing that gives you any sort of hesitation in this one, right? It just it feels weird to just see Kentucky favored versus LSU, but um, you know, so far Kentucky's look like the better team. But I think this one it will be close. I think the three and a half point line. I don't even know which way I would go on this one. This feels like it's going to be a, a close game. LSU just, it's like, what? it just depends on what LSU team we get, right? They seem like a team that's just so kind of like volatile, right? Like you just, you have no idea what to expect week in and week out. You don't know if the whole team's going to just give up on Ed Ordrod or or what's going to happen or if they're going to play inspired for their, for their embattled coach, right? So Kentucky, this is such an important game for them. Just, just because it, it, it could potentially set up a matchup with Georgia that, you know, could honestly decide the SEC East. And so, like, that's what they had back in 2018. It's just, like, that's sort of exposure for the program. Like, even if no one really thinks you're going to beat Georgia, to have the opportunity to be on the field and the stakes be that high, they just have to take care of business versus LSU first. Absolutely. Uh, Texas A&M hosting Alabama three in a row. It looks like for A&M going down, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I think these are the only two teams that seem solidified in where they are in the SEC West right now. Alabama is solidified right there at the top, and A&M's right there at the bottom. So uh, this is going to get ugly. I hate this for A&M, that this is their prime time, 8 o'clock CBS game. Like, you don't want to go, just go ahead and get this out of the way at noon so you get get along with your your college football day. But... They'll be waiting around all day for this, and I just don't see how this team has any chance of like keeping it within like 
four or five touchdowns, honestly. Like they're like they I I guess the defense could keep it close close-ish, you know, but they're just not going to be able to score any points in Alabama and if you can't score, you're not going to be able to hang with Alabama. Absolutely. Well, that's all I've got. Oak Ridge on the road in Greenville uh, this weekend, which is like an hour and a half from uh, Knoxville, so I'm not making the trip with the sports renaissance one where parents are coming into town for the game on Saturday, so probably going to get into maybe a haunted house we're looking at Friday. Checking that out. Are you doing anything special is tori dragging you the pumpkin patches are you what is your october uh weekend schedule with uh with the missus usually like well we're um what, what it's usually like is we watch football all day on saturday and then watch some more on sunday and <clears throat> the dogs get a longer walk on the weekend like and during the week you get like just a quick walk but on the on the weekends because i don't like to i don't like to walk like exercise like first thing in the morning before Mm -hmm. work right like i just that's not my jam so but on the weekend like i'll start a weekend day first thing in the morning like on a walk because i don't have to do shit the rest of the day you know (laughs) so it's like that's that's my ideal exercise but um yeah this this sunday we're going over to her parents house so uh you know it's been a while since we made that trek over to canton so Mm -hmm. um so yeah we're gonna we're gonna do that but yeah we're usually just watching football usually on sundays like I like I tell everyone, like I'm like an NFL fan for like three hours a week, like from like one p.m. to like four p.m. on Sunday. Like I don't really read about the NFL Monday through Saturday. I'm not like up on it like I am college football, checking all the latest stuff. I just like hitting that red zone channel, and then usually around four o'clock, I'll probably get a nice little nap in there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's usually my Sunday, man. It seems that we talked about it this weekend. It seems like we're that's what ends up happening. We like watch those first games, then just both kind of like sitting on the couch, just kind of fall asleep, get a nice little late afternoon nap. That's how Sundays should be, at least. I'm not a napper. I've never been one. No, uh, a good nap right in the middle of the day is uh, is nice. Well, the sports renaissance home would would agree with you. Um, I don't know. We're we're excited. Have you been to a haunted house, or have y'all do y'all go to the pumpkin patches at all? Like, is is Tori a big Halloween no. person? No, we don't really mm. we don't really do any of that kind of stuff. Honestly, like she doesn't even like, like scary movies or anything. Oh, honestly. and I guess I don't even really like scary movies any either. I just hmm. I don't know. I've been to Netherworld back in yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. Is that but, still around? Um, I think they moved it, actually. You know, it was right there off of, like, Jimmy Carter. Right. I think they moved it somewhere, so I don't know where it is now. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah. Interesting. I've seen it. I uh, probably don't need to see it again. <laughs> it's kind of... I've been there, done that. It's, it's, it is what it is. It's fine. Do you have any grill, grill uh, ideas this weekend? Do you have any food already planned out? Tori's uh Tori's great with the with the appetizers, like the game day appetizers. Hmm. So uh like a buffalo chicken dip kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. so she uh she usually does something good. Maybe go to my brother's house, you know, I might make some wings or something, you know, we'll see what happens. Is this the brother that wants to be on the show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jake, I'll correct. Look, yeah, we'll have to we'll, yeah, Jake, we'll have to get him on the show. Well, I'll get him on after Tennessee drops thirty five on on the box. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I think we should get him on here for the for the pregame Tennessee. Why? I, you've mentioned that before. It's better after because you then we the can actually game. Yeah, like what actually happened? I think it's better for post game of just okay. like what we actually have substance to talk about versus this is what we think is going to happen. I can just point and be like, here's what happened. What were what was your thought process when Tion busted that third touchdown run up? And what what was your yeah, thought process uh, when Tyke Smith got challenged by Javante Payton deep and Georgia had no answers for anybody over the top what was your response just take care of south carolina sir (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're just worried about auburn right now Mm -hmm. was that november november 13th Mm -hmm. we got we got we got a ways away from that one yeah and hey you never know yeah like the you have a you have a place up here if you and uh you and tori want to make the trek up for for tennessee georgia i have to do that i'm um i'm hoping tennessee turns it around you know i'm hoping you already have turned it around what are you talking about i'm just saying tennessee hasn't turned it around they're not like a nationally relevant team Mm. yet. like they're not ranked or anything that's um that's all i'm saying like Mm. for tennessee to get you know get to where butch jones got him and then maybe sustain it and not just uh, not just immediately go right back downhill like because this schedule like it's so as is a traditional Georgia fan, the the Georgia Auburn right here at the start of October is just so weird now for the second year in a row. But if Tennessee can can become like that one of the big three in the East again, then this Tennessee Georgia game down the stretch in like mid November every year that that could be a cool uh, a cool aftermath of that Georgia Auburn uh, game getting swapped out there. Who would you guess is number one in yards per game? Number two, excuse me, in the country through through five um, games. Is it Tennessee? No. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Um, who's got the best offense in the country? Alabama? No, Ohio State's number one. Okay. Ohio State, who's number two? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yes. I actually saw they were averaging like 52 a game. Yes. So that the reason I bring that up, do you know who we've lost to this year? We have only lost to the number two offense in the country in Pittsburgh. That loss doesn't look as bad. Uh, barely, barely losing a pit at home. Guess who's number 10 in the country in offense? Is that the Tennessee Vols? Florida Gators. See, I just don't get into any of these team stats right now, <laughs> like five games in. <laughs> Because just so many teams, like at the end of October, then we got teams playing an entire month of conference games. Like, like I'm just looking at like Michigan State stats compared to you know other teams, you know that they're playing. Like everyone's schedules are just so drastically uneven right now. Like I just I can't make too much of just the team rankings of of stuff like that. Mm. It's just it's just still it's still early for me. Holy crap! Did you see what just happened in the Dodgers game? I did. That Man, insane! Wow. Well, that's yeah, good. Yeah. I hate the Cardinals, so that that's good for us. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up here. Uh, I am going to be writing about this. I'm going to dig into some Western Kentucky tape tomorrow, and uh, digging into Western Kentucky <laughs> tape tomorrow. And why would you do a thing like that? <laughs> so, do you know? Okay, so they have played in four games this year. They are the number eight offense in the country. They are, they have passed for, or I'll, I'll give you the run one first. So they've ran the ball for 316 yards this season in four games. Awful, right? You would not expect. They've passed 
for 1,777 passing yards. Is that not an insane disparity? That is a pretty, uh, that's a pretty crazy stat right there. I've got to watch this tape. I've got to watch how Western Kentucky plays football this year. This is insanity to me. Like, this is, pro- like, Fresno State does this, but not to this degree. Like, I I just, I don't even know what to do with that. It's unbelievable, um, that kind of disparity where they don't run the ball at all. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bizarre. I uh, I do have one, one stat for you, slash trivia question. Mm. Who are the only two teams in college football that rank in the top 10 in points scored per game and points allowed per game? Wait, if, if, uh, sorry, rephrase that one more time. Top 10 in um, points per game scored. So top 10 offensive points and top 10 defensive points allowed. This year? Yes. Cincinnati. Incorrect. Oh. Mm, what conference? I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma? No. Penn State? No. <sighs> one Power Five, one non, one Group of Five conference. Oh, there's two? Yeah, there's two that are in the top ten. Okay. And both. it's not Cincinnati? It is not. SMU? Incorrect. Coastal? I'm going to tell you the answer. That is one of them. Yes. Chanticleers. There you go. One of the answers, and the other answer mm. is the Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, I wouldn't think Georgia's offense was okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah, people are sleeping on that Georgia offense. Sir. They're not. They're they're sufficiently sleeping, and they just scored thirty seven with their backup quarterback oh, over goodness. a top ten team. That's, all right, you can keep living and dying by Lance McConkey and Brock Bowers and all these made up receivers that you've got uh, playing. Made up receivers. I don't even know what that means. But the fact that Georgia could look as dominant as they as they were last week, you know, I'm still the jury's still out on Arkansas, but doing that what they did with the with the backup quarterback is is super impressive. And I don't think enough is being made of it, to be honest. Mm. Mm-mm. Matt Green. Also also yeah. Kirby's just roster management in general to hit the portal and get JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett, they were just backup plans. This guy is just always always playing chess while other coaches are playing checkers out there. Mm. That is true. <laughs> that is that is true, I guess. Um, Matt Green, we can follow you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Make sure if you like listening to Matt and I talk college football, guess what? New episodes in your feed Monday mornings and uh, Thursday mornings. Uh, Thursdays are your college football preview shows. So go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, send us an email at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Put in your email, subscribe there. And Matt Green... I will talk to you in a couple days. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.